Hello, listeners. It's David and Vicki. And we are going to touch on a topic that we mentioned actually in our book, Mission Smart. If we haven't mentioned that book in a while, Mission Smart, 15 Questions to Ask Before Launching Overseas. We mentioned in Chapter 6 that the most important partner you have is your spouse. But today's topic isn't just for married couples. It It's very important. But it yeah, can- I think we've talked about it a little bit when we were doing some a couple of podcasts on marriage, on some of the dynamics that yeah. we have personally as one introvert and one extrovert. But this goes much more broadly than married couples. Yeah. And how does it relate to missions? You may be on a team with people that are all very different, introvert, extrovert, and invariants, and, or you may be leading others. I think when you're in a leadership role, you need to understand these differences. And we say we understand it, but we don't. We just want to talk about how it really impacts the way you work. So, yeah, so how would would you define an introvert versus an extrovert? I don't know. um, I think we, somewhere along our journey, we, I think we, we either read or. Someone gave input into our lives that, and we realized that I was energized by being with people. In other words, more activity, interacting with more people. Um, I was getting more energized. And I think you begin to realize it when maybe we've been doing something maybe all day, maybe for five straight hours. Do you remember that time that we were teaching for like two days straight and then you wanted to stop and see somebody on the way home because you, you had so much energy. And right. I just looked at you like you were out of your out mind. Out of my mind. That's right. Um, so that's what an extrovert is energized by being with people in activities. Yes. And I'm the introvert and I'm, I love being with people and no one believes that I'm an introvert because I am, I'm talkative. I enjoy people. We have people over all the time. And they, those who are looking from the outside say you couldn't be, an introvert because you like people too much. But when I'm with people, I'm giving of energy. Mm. David's actually creating energy when he's with people. My battery he's, is being charged up. Yes. It's like he's plugged in right, to a charging station. Whereas my, I'm like the standalone cell phone, not plugged in. My, my, every interaction for me is taking some energy. It's not that I'm not enjoying the interaction. Yeah, and one time I thought it was mainly when we were doing something difficult in ministry. You know, we were ministering cross-culturally or in another language. Or in a difficult situation. But sometimes I would say, we're hanging out with your family, or we were just with friends. How could that be draining? So I needed education in that. And so so those of you that are extroverts, you need to uh, become educated on this. And you also need to not make a value judgment. I think I... I think we both made we a value, both judgment. Made value judgment early in our yeah. marriage. You were thinking, what were you thinking? Uh, well, I was very drawn to the extroverted side of you, and I wanted to be more like that. Right. I really did. So I they thought, were the oh, ones that looked like they're getting it done or whatever. Well, yeah. Or, I mean, extroverts. <laughs> From the outside, seem to really have a leg up in the Christian life. Uh, let's just admit it. You know, there's people, and mm. we're all about being with people and loving people. And then you've got, you know, 
introverts who love to also be alone and need, actually, don't just love it, but actually need to be alone at times. And somehow that that scene is passivity, inactivity. And of course, we extroverts have learned that if we don't have times of silence and quietness, then we can both uh, burn out or get in trouble. Yeah, I think that's one of the interesting things. Having been married for 34 years, we celebrated our 34th anniversary, Mm -hmm. that we now there is a both a an understanding of the other but also a respect absolutely for because i think i just think of all the the people that i would not have engaged with because i probably wouldn't have gone there and i think of all the quieting of spirit that you needed had you been left only to yourself. Right. You would have gone and gone and gone and gone. And then those moments of quiet reflection, slowing down that are necessary to course adjust and to part of rest that God has said that we need. And I remember when we moved to a hot culture, which was a hot tea culture and Hot meaning uh, community-oriented, people-oriented. The activity is talking and sitting together and conversing about many things for hours. Um, Not needing, quote-unquote, to be accomplishing anything. Not not being productive. And they also, that culture taught me about being more present when I was with someone as opposed to fitting them into a slot and then moving knowing I've got another person I need to see later. This culture, time wasn't, uh, didn't have the same value as we do in the West. And I, you know, there's, you could think that was bad, but I actually learned a lot about relationships and about being more present and not looking to the next activity. But, you know, I think that was more cultural, not just introverted. But right. But it, it taught me, how when I watched how Vicky was able to connect with people, um, I saw the value of being a better listener and being there and not kind of the, how many people can we see today? Um, that there was more, maybe if you only saw one. That was great. But it was great because you were really there. And, you know, we may have heard the introvert-extrovert thing for years, but what changed for us, I think, was, as Vicky said, the respect that it wasn't, yeah, that's fine if you're an introvert, but if you really want to be a good missionary or you really want to be good in ministry, then you need to be an extrovert. And that may be a prejudice that people still have. Oh, and that's one so. of the reasons we wanted to talk about this. And until that changed in my mind... Um, it was a struggle. And yes, you- I think first of all, it changed when I couldn't keep up, so to speak. Um, and I would reach my limits and just turn off because I was trying to keep up. And so pragmatically, you realized that we weren't going to be able to physically do it, physically just- and mentally do all the things that right. you wanted to do. 
so you accepted that that was the mm, case. There was but, frustration. But I think that there's still that there wasn't the internal shift until later where you shifted from, okay, I mean, you can't keep up because you're weak. So <laughs> to, to more of a, you have been made this way by God and there is value for you and for me to be in partnership with you. Exactly. In this. And and there was just that was when I noticed the huge difference. Because before I guess I kind of felt like, even if you weren't doing this consciously, and I'm sure you weren't, that if I was needing to stay home, it was like someone was sitting there tapping their foot waiting for me to finish resting. So we could go. I, I don't think that was conscious. Right. I think that's just, you were energized. Yeah, and we had to learn that you that is how you were energized. I couldn't imagine someone <laughs> sitting alone doing something, reading a book. Mm-hmm. Um, as that they're actually getting their battery replenished and they'll be able then to go back out. So let's just start off from a very pragmatic standpoint, uh, particularly for couples. You better learn this and you better learn it now. No matter how long you've been married, you're going to need to embrace the differences, accept it and embrace it that you can't go every night. You can't fill, you know, a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, and then say, hey, do you want to you want to grab lunch with somebody after church? And they look over and go, I'm dying here. I'm dying here. And then comes the fight or the judgment. And there's nothing worse than spiritually judging the person, manipulation. And we think this has been a a big source in a lot of couples. How do we know? We lived it. Um, We definitely did. And I think, too, that there was value for you in slowing down and being forced into time alone sometimes. Absolutely. Because you would not choose it naturally. When I'm out of town, you go, 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 go. And yet I have learned. I mean, I'm 57 now, and I think I have learned I don't have to line something up that night. I don't need to line something out the next night. I. Yeah, that's like, not the way you used to be, though. No. I think I'm going to read a book. And what I didn't realize was that it was mentally, physically, spiritually better for me. So I had to first come to the conclusion that it was okay. Um, I think at first we were sort of like, you're going to lose her, Dave. Okay. And it's a source of conflict. And yeah, in my lowest moments, I probably made you feel... Like, you know, what are we doing here if we're if we're not going to do this, you know. Spend time with people. 5.0. Yeah, we're not going to be in full mode here all the time. And you're right. I think, I think I had grown a mentality that that is what makes a good worker. But what it actually does is create someone who's like, Running like a hamster on a hamster wheel. Mm. So, and doesn't stop to pause. That That's where you can go if you're not stopping and resting. But like I said, I think the culture we lived in and many of the people there helped me. I think we, we first discovered it as a couple, but then I began to realize 
this is what many of them wanted from me. Was presence yes. without, yes. not even necessarily conversation. That's right. And, you know, what are we doing? And are we doing a study here? Or what are we accomplishing? Where are we going? And sometimes we inherit that straight out of our Americanism. This idea that um, when people have asked us, how have y'all adjusted to living back in the States? And we've often said, the pace is so different. If you come over, we'll watch a game. We'll have a meal. We'll grill out. And then we're going to play games. And then we're going to... Um, and there's some need to accomplish something. And that can be very exhausting when, at the same time, we hear so many people in America, what they really want is friendship and communication and to feel heard and known and replenished relationally. And yet we're not slowing down to do that. So I, I felt it, just an example of how this worked out in friendships. I had a friend when I lived abroad and... We had kids around the same age, and we ended up going to one another's houses, alternating um, each Friday afternoon, and we just went to each other's houses, and the kids would play together, and sometimes I would help her cook dinner, or sometimes she would help me with something. Sometimes we would talk. Occasionally, one of us would be doing something, the other one would fall asleep on the couch, and there was just something so satisfying about that simple mm. presence that was very deep for both of us. That was an example of, of two introverts um, and how we planned our time together. And we had some meaningful times, really meaningful times. So we're trying to give positive benefits from it. Um, we've touched on, you know, some of the, shall we say, negative if you don't do it. Um you know, I think I had to learn sort of the hard way that, you know, if I want my wife to be present and fully energized in a particular activity, I can't run her from one after the other. And so what I did want is I wanted her engaging with the people cross-culturally or at this event. And in order for that to happen, I needed to respect the way she was made and I had to say it was made by God and that it is good and it is just different. Um, so that was probably what I had to do. Now, once I accepted that, obviously there was more harmony in processing things and we learned to agree together. You know, but when we were learning it, it was kind of like, um, you know, we had something lined up on Wednesday night. And then all of a sudden something got lined up. Well, yeah, we got to do that thing on Thursday. And I had to learn, okay, that's two nights in a row. You know, am I really going to say, how about Friday night? <laughs> well, or it does, it does cause, I think, you to think about how you want, when I give you a, a gauge of my energy level, mm. my charge level, it... Do you want to spend, I have energy. Do we want to spend my energy on this activity? Because that's going to take a lot. Or do we want to spend it on two lesser needed, act, you know, lesser draining activities? Yeah. So it's really a, a give and take. What about working with introverts and extroverts? Right. How? You know, you know, I'm sure there's a, 
there's a slew of tests you can take to learn about people's working styles. And I hear that those are being done on mission teams and things like that. But once again, I think a dangerous thing in this line of work, let's just go back to it, the idea of mission work. We believe God values work. And when you're, if you're in an overseas ministry environment or engaging cross-culturally, uh, what have we said before? Everywhere we've been overseas, they're understaffed, overworked, and the needs are usually 10 times whatever we have back home. What does that tell you? It's a, it's a ripe environment for workaholics. It's a ripe environment to burn out. And therefore, if you're in a leadership position, if you're a team leader and you don't talk about these things, in our last podcast, we talked about boundaries that protect the relationship. And, you know, it's the same thing is, are you learning what your team members, what their work style is? You know, I can't say that every team leader is an extrovert, you know, but often we put people in leadership that are the go-getters, are the old-timers, the long-termers. Oh, they're legends. They've been here. And yet those same people, if they don't have a respect for boundaries, like we talked about in our last podcast, or this particular difference in people, they will run over them. They will... I mean, an example. Abuse them. Yes, an example would be if there was someone who is highly extroverted, they're gaining energy every time they're with people, and they have some extroverts, but they have an introvert on their team, mm. and they are pushing that introvert to spend more time with people. Maybe that's their job to learn the language or whatever. Or whatever, but and there is a balance because we do. Introverts do sometimes need coaxing to spend more time with people, mm. but it is very dangerous to be an extrovert in charge of an introvert and not respect that people are different and that one is not more spiritual than the other. Right. Now, you have an introvert in charge of a team, and I can see issues with that. You've got a bunch of some extroverts underneath an introvert, and... The introvert doesn't need as much time, face time together, um, talking with, you know, being, let's be a team, let's do this, let's do this, let's always be together. The introvert doesn't need all of, as much, as much, much of that, needs Correct. some, but not as much. And then the extroverts are frustrated because they don't feel like they have their people or their community. So, I mean, it can work in so many to, different ways. You need to have the knowledge. You've got to have the knowledge and respect for the other. You know, even in the way we, let's say the way we do retreats or conferences, I remember um, I would go to a, a conference where there were other missionaries and, you know, they would just plan it all day. And if there was a free time between two to four, there were, you know, breakout tables and breakout sessions and more things to go to or or they were selling things. That's when things will be open for you to go out. Or and, there was a time of optional prayer, you know, if you care about the needs in that part of the country or whatever. Or, you know, a volleyball game or something. But it was interesting that they didn't actually schedule rest. And they weren't sure that if we just left all this free time, what everybody would do with it, okay? Because there was a value that activity is better. Like, we don't want people just laying around taking a nap. So anyway, through the years, I was 
I, I can honestly say learned from Vicky and learned from others that were in, that were introverts. And I remember one time I got to be in charge of one of the retreats. Retreats. Well, the, I think the misnomer too is those things were called retreats, not conferences. Yeah, they called them retreat. But they Didn't actually they functioned as conferences. Or something. And I remember saying, okay, can I be completely in charge of the schedule? And they said, okay. I said, it's going to be very different. So I remembered leaving literally like we would have worship and some teaching and, and then, you know, in the morning and then had a meal. And then I think I left like one to five o'clock open. And... I couldn't believe people coming up to me saying, I can't believe it. I slept like for two hours and I haven't done that in months. I got to just hang out with a friend by the pool and we just fellowshiped. I went for a long walk by myself. You know, yeah. I had people coming up to me day one, day two. And, and I, I started realizing Vicky has helped me plan a better retreat. Like Vicky said, a retreat is often, you know, you put a bunch of extroverts together and there's no reason for a break. In fact, if there's a break, let's just fill something in it. And don't and don't worry, don't forget or after even dinner. Introvert type A's that are wanting to um, accomplish more. Yes. You know, after dinner, let's do more. And then after you're done with dinner and we have a session and then we pray, we're gonna have a we're gonna have small groups and <laughs> You know, you're going to bed at 11 o'clock at night. Yes, and, and I, as an, <laughs> I, as an introvert, the first few of those retreat things that I went to, I came home exhausted from my, <laughs> yes. my retreat. Well, me too. I became overwhelmed too. <laughs> I, I came home exhausted. And then I started um, just playing hooky and not going to every session. Feeling guilty. I would I would feel guilty and like hide in my room with <laughs> with my introvert friends, and then as I got older and started just understanding myself and life better, I just would sit right there out in the open by the pool during oh, a, a session. I know, um, maybe a breakout session or something like that. So or me too. I would I would run into a, a guy that I hadn't seen in a couple of years, and we're in the lobby. And these guys are coming along going, hey, it's starting up. It's starting in a few minutes. And I'm like, yeah, okay, we know. Yeah. And then they'd come out and go, hey, it's already starting. We'd say, yeah, we know. We're so that's actually, just some space. We're actually greatly fellowshipping here. And we learned that. So learn your own style. Learn to respect other style, especially as a couple, particularly on a team or we can't overemphasize this as something that must be discussed as an organization, as a team, and to hold those team leaders and leaders accountable to this and not just, um, well, burn everybody out. Or when you have a member care retreat or a conference, do you just wear them out? Then you're missing what people actually probably need to be re-energized. Which I, I get that. Conferences are a time when people who are far apart come together. But if you if you're gonna call it if you're going to do it that way, then call it a working conference. <laughs> That's right. Um and let it be like that. But if you're if it's supposed to be any kind of rest. Yep. 
So yeah, we've, we've learned a tremendous amount from one another as an introvert and an extrovert and from our friends. And we found that in the culture where we live, there were also extroverts and introverts. They manifested differently, but they mm-hmm. were there. I think I've found more introvert parts to myself and you've become uh, more extroverted. I think both of us have moved toward the middle. Uh-huh. Which is, and is interesting. We've definitely learned to respect each other. We sometimes can just look at one another after we've been out or been with somebody or been helping a couple for three straight hours. Hey, I'm just going to, Vicki will just say, hey, I'm just going to go do something, okay? I, can we can we just not do anything for the next, for the rest of the night? And I don't need to get offended by that. No, it's not. It's not about you. No. And I've noticed that you've started saying when we've been, let's say we've been with somebody for three hours, that you'll actually say, hey, why don't you go in the backyard and read or do this for a while? Yeah. And you, it, it's incredible to feel yeah. that mis- so that understood. Respect for each other. And respect. So this is just tipping an iceberg of a topic. There's a lot of good books and material out there. But we wanted to touch on it because it's very important. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for listening today. Feel free to email us with your questions to david at esionline.org. It's always encouraging to hear from our listeners how God is using this podcast. Our ministry is called Equipping Servants International, which exists to equip churches, organization, and individuals to reach the nations both at home and abroad. Our desire is to see people better equipped when they leave, be able to thrive and be effective on the field, and transition back home well. Our book is called Mission Smart, 15 Critical Questions to Ask Before Launching Overseas, and it's available on Amazon in paperback or Kindle. Remember to subscribe to our podcast to get more episodes as they're published.